And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson, and we're kicking off the new year with Kickoff Labs. I've got Josh Ledgard here. His company is is Kickoff Labs, and uh, welcome to the new year, everybody. And Josh has got a pretty cool product. Excited to talk about what they do. Um, we're going to learn about building a, a startup's wait list, and they do all sorts of other things to to help startups and uh, early stage companies. Pretty cool marketing uh, technology that they have. Um, before we get started, I do want to tell you about our sponsor today, which is Fullscale, which is my company. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. We have over 300 employees that work for over 50 different companies building all sorts of cool stuff. You can check us out at fullscale.io. Josh, happy new year. Welcome to the show. Let's kick it off, man. Happy to be here. Uh, great, uh, fun to be your first uh, first interview with Kickoff Labs in the uh, in the new year. I don't know if we planned that on accident or on purpose, but I like it. I'm going with it either way. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, you know, we actually we actually do see we do actually do see an uptick in people like. And what, like, it's a new year. It's time for me to start my business. It's kind of like the gym membership sort of thing yeah. where people come to us and they're like, this is, this is the year I do. They don't, aren't necessarily always the best customers, like the ones that go to the gym, you know, for the first two <laughs> weeks of January and then stop. But we oh, do yeah. see that uptick in the new year and of, of people like, this is the year I get going and, uh, and I look forward to it and, and trying to help them out. Cause everybody who's trying to start a dream is, uh, is fun to work with. There's something weird about you know, doing it though, after the holidays, a new start, a new year. And there, there's something about that, even if it's sort of like, well, you could have just done it last week. Why do you, you know, why do you wait? Right. But, uh, <laughs> there, there is something about it, you know, um, yeah, it gives us all, absolutely. I don't want to say an excuse, but a reason, you know, to at least maybe stop and at least think about doing the things or maybe they would have never done them. So yeah, ready, sure. ready to, to kick it off. Well, so tell us a little bit about how you, how you got started, uh, with Kickoff Labs, you've been doing this for about over ten years, right? So tell us, tell us how you kicked off Kickoff Labs. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So um, my co-founder and I are both kind of in the, on the engineering side of things, and so very practical-minded engineers. You know, contrary to that popular belief that all entrepreneurs are risk takers, we fell into the like not super risk takery uh, bucket, um, and because of that. Um, when we were both working at a company, um, and it was a company that was in the social media space. So at the time, uh, you know, private enterprise social media didn't exist. This company did, uh, online blogs, forums, wikis, like for larger enterprises. Right. And people were just okay. at the days of realizing like, oh, their company needs a blog. Their company should have a support forum for customers. And like this company was building the platform for that. And I was the head of the product team there. Um, and I have always recognized the power and uh, of engaging with customers. And so for me, uh, whatever I did um, next after that company, I wanted it to be along the lines of like something that had to do with helping people market through engagement or do more customer engagement um, and leveraging the customer connections that they have. So, you know, 
fast forward, uh, we decided to start a company. We literally had no idea what we're going to do. We had ideas that range from like, you know, a blog about beer to like, uh, you know, all the way to like these enterprise, like social media monitoring applications and, you know, what would eventually become kind of like a Hootsuite type of thing. Um, and it came down to being very practical. We said, you know what we need to do? We need to uh, go with the four hour work week style. We need to put up six landing pages and see like which one not only gets people to sign up, but because I cared about that engagement, which one gets somebody to tell their, so like, what are people not just like going to put their name down for, but what are people willing to share? And the, using both of those measures, looking at the six ideas, be able to tell us like, which one are people more interested in? Um, and that kind of test has a lot of value to it. And so we decided to, uh, you know, being engineers, we're like, well, we should build a product that makes putting up these six pages and tracking the referrals really easy. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't exist. And so, and so that's, that's quite literally, it became idea number seven on the list. Like we had, yeah. idea, you know, and it was like, idea number seven was like, well, we could turn this into a product. And so we put up a page, you know, we, we built the product to build the pages. We put the pages up and we started measuring the engagement of what people were interested in. And what's interesting about those tests, looking back on it, and this is a little bit of an aside from what you asked, but what's interesting about doing that kind of test and what I tell people now is that these kind of validation tests aren't always about validating whether or not the idea is a good idea or not. Uh, lots of ideas can be great ideas to do. The part of the test is, validating, are you the right person to market and distribute this idea to the world? Like, do you have what it takes to bring an audience and get an audience excited about that idea? And because what happened with our test was we had two ideas that really took off in this test. We had the idea that eventually became kickoff labs, you know, building these pages, tracking referrals. And then we had another idea that was all about like social media, social media tracking, enterprise social media. And when you think about it from from my perspective, my background was in working the last few years before that on social media applications. I had a lot of connections. So when I told people about what I was doing, a lot right. of those would go and sign up. And then also because I was interested in building a, a, my own company, I was in a lot of entrepreneurial forums um, and like groups at the time. And you would tell them about these five ideas and they were just like, oh, this Kickoff Labs idea is great. Like, you know, yeah. like I can do that. And so it was a little bit self-fulfilling, um, but it also is just an important thing because it tells you like, oh, the idea about like a, you know, a, a community about beer is like, as much as I like beer, like we didn't have an audience built in. We didn't have connections in the industry. Yep. Like there was no way we were ever going to make that yep. profit. So I think you could make somebody out there and people have done successful communities about beer, but the test showed us we were not the people that should do that. You don't right? have the network. Or we the experience. We didn't or, have the network, the experience. Things, yeah. We didn't have that like secret sauce, whatever, whatever it is that like would make that would make that idea more immediately successful. And it would have taken in our minds being practical too long to build that up. Right. My my, so, my yeah. favorite part of this story though is you realize like instead of spending a lot of time to build software, you need to build a landing page to help validate it. But then you're like, now we need to build software to build landing pages to validate it. That's my favorite part of the story, because that's the that's like such the engineering thing to do. Like, well, we shouldn't do this, but we're we're actually going to go do it to not do it. Yeah, I mean, but I, I love guess... that that became the company, right? That became the company. Yeah. So that yeah, was yeah, the br I mean... the brilliant twist in all of it. 
Yeah, for the first two years, we were building two separate products um, based on some of that validation. But yeah, that did be it did become the company. And and to be fair to us, we actually didn't build a sellable product when we built up those five pages. We built like sure. a few scripts to make putting these pages up and hosting them easier and the referral tracking easier. Like sure. we could not have sold those scripts to anybody because nobody would have known what to do with them. So yeah, it was yeah, yeah. not we did not put all the effort into be like, let's build this product and invite people to our store. It was kind of that like, um, uh, uh, forgetting the term. It was what, it was a minimum viable test, but it wasn't even that. It was like less than that um, in what the, what it was. But yeah, you're right. We absolutely went and built uh, went and built <laughs> part of what became the core engine of the product. So um, so fast forward a little bit, yeah. that and then all the things that it has grown into, that, was, that mm-hmm. ended up being the product, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all been uh, customer-led growth um, beyond that. Like the and other so, thing that you mentioned eventually faded away? Or did, or yeah, did that so end up part it, of the product too? N- yeah, so the the other thing that we were doing was uh, was basically like, it would have been, you would have called it like a Hootsuite competitor or something like that, okay. like a social media monitoring for enterprises. Uh, our problem with that was the sales cycle was just becoming too long. And we were looking at like a revenue graph that was like really flatlined for that product after a year and a half. And Kickoff Labs was like a revenue graph that wasn't like, there's not not a hockey stick. Like we've never had like hockey stick growth, but it was like a little bit up and to the right, just a little bit up yeah. and to the right. And this is steady growth, giving us a signal that like, okay, we need to keep putting effort there. And the enterprise thing, like maybe we just weren't great at enterprise sales or closing deals at the time. And it's just, um, is something we needed to learn that we just wasn't the right time for us to do a product like that. So we shut that half of it down to focus on kickoff labs. So for the, for the first year or two, the primary product was helping people build these sort of wait list or like announcement about we're going to build this thing, sign up for it, uh, for the wait list or actually sign up for whatever, all the, all this kind of stuff, right. That ended up being the product. Right. And yep, yep. Th- I think that's where I first heard of your company, like 10 years ago was from that for a very long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. So that ended up being the product. And then, so how did it, how did it grow from there? And then today it looks like you guys do a whole bunch of different things. So how did it, <laughs> how did it grow from there? I mean, primarily we've added uh, we've added different campaign types. I mean, so obviously, like you know, what what was the landing page builder back then was like these super canned templates. You had no control over. You just yeah. enter a couple pieces of text. You couldn't modify it. You couldn't change it. It was just literally like, yeah, I'm just gonna throw this up, and you know, you can't even. Well, I think the first version you couldn't even change the colors. Like, it's like, um, so obviously, like feature wise, it improves over time. The biggest thing though is just supporting the different campaign types. So. What happened was within the first couple of years, somebody somebody came came to us and says, "Hey, you guys are essentially like you know scoring like adding a score to leads, like saying like who's referred the most people, like because you're putting where they are on the wait list and you're moving them up." And we're like, "Yeah, we're basically yeah we're scoring leads," and they're like, "Can I run a contest?" I'm like, "Well, our." We don't say we can't run a contest with it. And um, and so that, you know, we started working with customers like that. We started seeing people that were paying us money to abuse what the system was originally designed for, right? That's <laughs> yeah. how that's what I called it. It's like, um, you know, I talked to Scott and uh, my co-founder and say like, oh, should we build, like, should we support this type of thing? And one of his first questions is like, are they willing to help fund the development? So sometimes we literally go back to the customer and say, hey, we could do this contest mechanic and give people like entries in a contest. Um, we don't really support it, but if you're willing to pay, you know, here's the custom development fee. Like we'll build it specially for you for, you know, $6,000 or like I'll just throw out a number. But 
if you let us build it in a general case and we reuse your ideas, we'll let, we'll let you pay $2,000 for us to build this feature. And we got people to say yes to that. Like saying like they, they wanted the cheaper version where we built it for them. So we looked for paying customers requesting a feature who were willing to pay money to get it to do something that it wasn't currently doing. And that turned into being able to support all the different campaign types. So contests, milestone rewards, like expanding what we do for actions, like tracking like different social media interactions and, and, and such. So all of those things came from uh, watching what customers were doing carefully in the product and then approaching the ones who are having success doing it and say, what can we do to help you more? And they'd say, oh, I really need this feature. And we'd talk about it. And then we'd, like I said, we'd price it out and we'd offer it to them. And then if they were willing to put their money where their mouth was, we would probably go build the feature. So I think this is a common problem I think all early stage companies have, though, is how do you identify if those things are a distraction or an opportunity? You know, because lots of customers come by with lots of different ideas, but how yep. do you figure out if that helps you continue to build like the core product toward, you know, your goal, your North Star, where you guys are trying to go versus takes you off off you know track like and i guess maybe the question is did you have people ask for some crazy things that you ended up saying no to like ah, we didn't do these things like but there's a lot how, of how did you identify those yeah there's a lot of things that we said no to and maybe maybe good and bad but like uh, i'll give you an example right so our product to in my mind like part of our vision has been helping people like get more out of their marketing dollars through engagement right so I want you, if you're using Kickoff Labs, to feel like if you spend $100 in marketing, that you got $150 worth of leads and investment out of that campaign that you ran with Kickoff Labs, right? And if the feature wasn't going to help somebody get to that, then it wasn't as important a feature for us, and we wouldn't necessarily engage and build those features. So to give you an example, uh, to give you an example of that, because our product does landing pages, right? Um, and and because because the product does landing pages, people would come to us and say. Hey, Unbounce, like they have all these like landing page features. Like Unbounce has the ability to add, you know, buy buttons like directly on the site and they track the click rate on this specific button and they track the heat map on the pages. Like, could you add heat maps and like, you know, to the page to show where people are clicking? Could you add a buy button to do that? But none of that in my mind was really about engaging the audience and the, the marketer and none of that. Well, you can obviously like look at that, like there are third party analytics platforms that you could plug into any service like ours. We're like, well, A, there's third parties that build it, right? Like you could add a third party heat map tracking to anything nowadays. Um, And even back then we were getting the request, you could add it. So there was little value to us building it. And it didn't go along with the core vision of like, is this heat map going to help you get more referrals, right? Or if somebody came to us and said, I've got this feature. I would love for you guys to like, you know, track, you know, to, to, you know, track if people comment on my TikTok videos, right. And give them rewards for commenting on my TikTok videos. That's aligned with like building engagement in an audience. Right. And that's aligned with like, okay, yeah, we should look into how we figure out this TikTok thing because that's where a lot of customer engagement is happening now. Um, and so we should figure that out and it aligns with our goal compared to like, you know, somebody coming and saying like, oh, can you do like the other common request is like, um, I'm building a list of emails with you guys. Can I send broadcast emails? We get so many requests for like, can I just send, you know, my mass email service? And we've had to draw a hard line saying, we're not MailChimp. We're not Clavio. We're not right. trying to be MailChimp yeah. or Clavio. That's a whole nother product space. Yeah. I get that it would be really nice just to click. You have this list here, click and send and broadcast mail to them all. But that opens up a whole can of worms for yeah. us. 
that we don't want to get mean into about as a product. Distraction versus opportunity, right? This is always the yeah. challenge about what do you do versus what what you don't do. And yeah, I loved I loved you said for you the filter was you know what it what it helped what helped your customers get more ROI like out of your product like that was the thing you were focused on, not about like adding other other features that could take you kind of away from that goal. Like I, I liked that that was kind of your filter. Yeah, it's it's that plus it's just are you like kind of like the in, initial starting question like are we the right person to build to build this right right and you know yeah. what else would it lead to or like does it bring you down a rabbit hole because if you support like if you support like seriously support broadcast emails oh, the next yeah. question is going to be like can I do email templates the next question is going to be can I do email marketing automation right like those are going to be the next things that get asked and like you're taking at that point you're going further and further and oh, further yeah. and further away from like what we intended to build and just down like we we should have a whole nother team of 100 people building that product yeah right? i mean and it's not that that product's a bad idea it's that like it's just not right for us and our vision in the company well, I'm glad you mentioned a team and 100 people. If you need to hire software developers, it doesn't have to be difficult. You don't have to pay a staffing company $30,000 to find somebody. You can go to fullscale.io. We've got a whole bunch of software developers um, that are available. If you're looking looking to hire developers, check us out, fullscale.io. Um, so you mentioned you and your co-founder were both engineers, right? Mm-hmm. So did the two of you originally build build all of this? Yes. Yeah. It's been mostly built by us. I and mean, we've hired people, contractors in the past. Um, we've hired um, full-time contractors that have worked with us. Um, they've built on extensions to the product or built parts of the core product. But yeah, it was primarily built by us. So after doing this for all this time, how, is, how has growth been for your company? When I looked up online, I saw you guys had raised some capital, but you hadn't raised like a crazy amount of capital. Has this been for you kind of a kind of slow and steady build and, and you guys plan to do this forever? Like what, what is the kind of growth and like plan for you guys? Yeah, it's um, so a couple of things. So I, there is a, a one correction. So we've not raised any capital. So there's an article. Oh, you have not. Okay. I've never been able to correct them where it confuses us with another company and there's other founders on there. And it says that we have, like, we've raised some money and like, that's not us. Um, but like, I can't fix their database entry for whatever reason, they don't respond to me. Um, but, um, so it's hundred percent bootstrapped. Um, and so that does give us the freedom of choosing a little bit more freedom in terms of choosing, like, do we want to do this forever? Do we want to, yeah. do we want to sell it? Um, love it. and, and you know, I, I love the, I love the journey. I like the customer set. Um, everybody that said, everybody has a number, right. Where they're like, <laughs> Like if somebody offered, you know, X, you know, XX billion or whatever for the company and they want to have it, then like, and then the right person to carry forward for our customers, then I think, you know, there's a, there's a deal to be had. So I'm not opposed to exiting. We've certainly explored it at different times just to, if for no other reason, people should explore exiting just to understand what are the limitations at their company that would get them a lower valuation, right? So if you do eventually want to exit and you've never tried to go through that process or talk to brokers at least talk to brokers and be like, you know, what about this company strikes you as odd? And they'll tell you, like, here's the things that are going to lower your valuation, right? right? And your turn rate's too much. high, your yeah, customer it, acquisition cost is too high, whatever the things are. Yeah. And it gives you a great, a great uh, set of things to focus on. Um, you know, but like, for example, like it's, it's been great for me. Like my kids are um, uh, 12, 10 and 12. And last year uh, they were like this past summer, they're like, oh, like, you know, I want to buy this game. And I was like, that's great. It's not your birthday. It's not Christmas. 
um, you know, where are you getting the money from it? And they're like, uh, I don't know. I'm like you could mow lawns or you could intern for kickoff labs. <laughs> and they're like, you mean I can make money sitting at a computer? I'm like, yeah, you could make money sitting at a computer. <laughs> so I brought on the kids as interns. And so they literally like, I showed them how to, how to edit Descript videos. And like, so they started doing the video editing we have, like we we're doing on like videos I was putting out. Um, they started editing podcasts. They started doing social media graphics and like learned all of that stuff. And that's just something like, you know, if I go work for another company, like I can't replicate that, like that experience of like showing the, showing the kids yeah. and like hiring them on myself. And it kind of makes it like a little bit of like a fun family business. And so that's the kind of thing that makes it fun just to keep owning uh, for a while, like maybe in a year or two, like they'll be tired of like working for me and they'll say, dad's a terrible boss. And I'll be like, well, I'm tired of working with you guys too. So I'm, I'm out. <laughs> uh, but I haven't quite hit that point yet. So um, yeah, steady growth, no hockey sticks. Um, you know, obviously there's ups and downs in the market all the time. Like in the last year we've seen, you know, at the end of 2022, you see Facebook and Google's like profit graphs go down with ad spend and our company goes up and down with ad spend, right? Like people okay. are, have a marketing budget. And like, if you look at marketing budgets, if marketing budgets get slashed in half, then like you look mm -hmm. at some of like our company goes down too, but like it always recovers. Like people always like they never need not to market and engage customers. Is your, is your target customer still like early stage startups or you you're doing a lot of other marketing uh, campaigns now? No, we do. So it's it's actually not just early stage startups. So there's two different uh, customer. There's, there's I, I'd say there's three distinct customer sets. Really, when I look at our customers, there is absolutely the like I've got the idea and I'm going to start hacking away on on the weekend and I want to throw up a landing page and validate the idea. Like super early stage customer, yep. they don't bring in much. Like they we don't. They're not a ton of monthly revenue for us yeah. at this point because they're like they can't afford much. They're just like, yep. this is my hobby, right? I can afford my coffee money, but I can't afford like, you know, hundreds of dollars a month, nor are they doing any traffic or lead generation that really would necessitate that kind of cost either for the most part. Um, you know, occasionally you have ones that do really well and take off and that's great. And we love those people. Uh, but then the other half of it are larger companies doing product launches that want to build a buzz. Okay. Right. So we've helped. We've we've helped uh, most recently, for example, like companies like Match.com launch different dating apps, build buzz around different like dating services and stuff like that. And so like, it's anything you want to build buzz around. And for larger companies, it's like we've got something new coming out. Let's treat it like it's that first product launch where they're building a wait list or they're doing rewards for customers if they want to do a giveaway around it. So that's one set. And those customers like. They're, you know, they're nice because they've got, you know, they've got a larger email list already. So you there and they know what the click through rate is. You can you can predict their campaign and you can say, here's how much it'll cost to run your campaign. And they've got the money to fit the bill. Right. Um, so that's the other the other type of customer is a large company who's doing larger medium to large company who's doing who's launching new products. They come to us all the time for the for the similar service that the the guy who's just getting started is because the same product. It's just done at a larger scale. And then so, the other, so, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And then the other third, third of our customers are people who are, um, they've got like an e-commerce site and they want to run giveaways or set up lightweight referrals. So like if I want to track and set up like not necessarily an affiliate program, like there's software, software, there's software that does a full scale affiliate solutions. But if I just want to know, did you refer someone else that bought from us so I can send a thank you or $10 or just something lightweight or reward you for doing like give you rewards for everybody who get to join our newsletter list. Um, so newsletter referrals, like, so are the other third of our customers are people who are just running contests for like an existing small to medium 
um, online store and they want to keep their audience engaged by running these different promotions throughout the year. So they might run four or five different promotions throughout the year, like a Christmas giveaway or a Valentine's giveaway or, you know, 4th of July giveaway. And like, they'll just keep running the, um, those promotions along with like an evergreen referral campaign for their newsletter. Like, Hey, get someone to join our newsletter and we'll give you, you know, another $10 off your next order. Right. So we can distribute those coupon codes for them. Um, and so we work really well within like the Shopify ecosystem that way. And that becomes the other third of our customer base that are kind of like some more steady customers that aren't the really large ones. And they, they, they aren't be, they aren't just doing a, a product launch. So tell us more about the wait list and the, the advantage of that and ex- the success you see of that. Tell us more about the wait list. About uh, the success of like how people become successful setting up a wait list or... Yeah. Yes. Like why you should have a wait list or yes, yes. <laughs> um, lots of different questions there. Obviously I could spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, but so I think there, there's a few advantages. So for the super early stage person, like my story in the beginning, um, you should absolutely be doing it. If, if, if not before, at least alongside while you're building something so that like you can prove, like you said, that you're, you can prove that like you've got a conversion rate, that you've got people interested in, you've got people sharing uh, the idea out there because otherwise you're going to find out that you build something and like you just, you're going to have to start from zero, right? So you want to build that, those links out there. You want to get people talking about it early. And so it comes down to like building, like similar to the large companies at that point, like it's part of it is about building a buzz leading up to something. And so you want to measure, you want to measure the buzz, see if it's like, if it's a valid idea. And then once you think it's a valid idea and you are building it, you want to grow the interest in it online, have a place for people to go, have a place for people to register. And then these all, there's all sorts of activities you can do while you in that, while you're in that waitlist phase. So a lot of successful companies. So just giving some best practices for doing a waitlist in terms of what people do. But a lot of companies, they look at the referrals that people are getting. And anytime somebody gets more than say two to three referrals, they invite them to a private community. So like a private Discord, a private Slack, a private Facebook group, and they call them like their VIPs, right? Those become their like product, their, their, their product influencers going around the launch. So for doing a wait list, you can not only collect an email list, which become your first customers when you launch, you can also start growing your influencer list and the people who are going to be your best customers and your ones who are referring you to other people. So you invite them, you give them special discounts, you give them early access, um, which is what people use the waitlist for to manage the early access. And then when you launch, you're working with them to help your launch. So they're part of your launch team. Um, and this is doesn't no matter what size business you are, like the large businesses do this really well because they've got people to manage this. And smaller businesses that are successful tend to do this really well um, as well because they realize how important it is because they don't have money to spend on a ton of Google ads. They've got to like get the word out more organically through um, the influence they're doing on the waitlist. So you find out who those influencers are. You're getting them on the group. And then you're also doing engagement along the way with the larger group. So you've got like this private engagement with the VIP group. And then the larger group, you're engaging on a weekly basis saying, here's what we're working on this week. So you're being transparent. You're enabling that product transparency saying, here's something else we're doing. What do you guys think of A versus B in this UI? Like there's, we have a whole, uh, we have a, a whole series of like emails that are, we recommend you send through your, your MailChimp or your Clavio, not through us, um, that you use to like keep people engaged while you're going to launch. Cause the absolute worst thing that people do. And I, I, I see it all, all the time. Unfortunately, is like, I'll sign up for a wait list or a product I'm excited about. And I don't hear from them. And then six months later, I get an email saying, we launched, come buy it. And I'm like, 
who are you? Like, I don't remember yeah. what I did, signed up for three days ago. And, you know, unless you're working at the company, you don't, you don't know either. And so, um, I tell people all the time, like, you know, track those influencers and then also keep engaging people during the waitlist process. And some people ask, how long should I run a waitlist for? Like two weeks before launch, one month, six months. And my answer is it actually really doesn't impact the success, um, beyond like you can't do it in two weeks because what happens is you can't even test your marketing. You can't do a B testing. You can't like the referrals. Sometimes people sign up for something and they start generating referrals with the first email you send like two weeks later. And so two weeks is too short a time to do like a promotion, like a wait list. One month is at least gives you enough time to like do some testing in the first week, scale up the marketing you're doing for, uh, for the wait list. Um, but beyond that, like I've seen people who are successful who have a wait list for six months, 12 months, even over. And the only difference between people who are successful and not successful with the wait list is how are they engaging people during that wait list period? So how are they, um, how are they keeping communication, creating those customer connection moments throughout the wait list process? Um, and so like, and with kickoff labs inside, inside of a tool like ours, you could have a set of activities like, Hey, we just launched as part of our launch. We just opened up our YouTube channel, come subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can move up the wait list. You could earn points in our giveaway. You could earn this extra reward for signing up for our YouTube channel. So you can add these engagement points into, into kickoff labs so that you've got an excuse to email them. You've got an excuse for them to help expand your social reach and to help you and, and to help you connect with more customers overall. Um, and so as long as you're doing that, you could run that for six months or a year, as long as you're rotating the set of things you're doing, as long as you're keeping the emails varied and you're keeping that customer connection going, um, the length of time you run it for doesn't, doesn't matter as much as it does that you're keeping people engaged and building on those connection opportunities one at a time. So then I tell people your length of time running a waitlist should really depend on what are you hoping to get out of your, um, out of your launch. So let's assume we have a lot of customers who are going to eventually do like crowdfunding or open an online store as part of a wait list. Um, like how much, how many sales do you want to do in the first month? And people will say, I want to do, you know, $5,000 worth of sales. How much does your product cost? You know, $50. Okay. So you need 500 people to buy a 50 or, or you know, I need, I need, uh, what is it? get a hundred people, a thousand people to buy $50. Yeah hundred people to buy $50 for $5,000 sales. <laughs> like math is escaping me this morning. Um, and so how long, you know, it worked backwards from that. Okay. So, you know, the typical pull through rate of somebody of a launch list, that's a well-curated launch list that doesn't have fraudulent emails on it is somewhere between two to 7% in the first month. Right. And that two to 7% varies based on probably the cost of the product, most likely or how often people need to buy the product, right? If it's like a snack food, like the, the guy from Santana Snacks, they might have a lower price product, but they're going to have a higher uptake on their list because more people are like, oh, I'll pay $20 for a case of right. these snack foods yep. versus um, we've had people like Glowforge selling a 3D printer, you know, a, a 3D like laser cutting printer that goes for, you know, $1,000. They're going to be closer to the one to 2% range of yeah. like, you know, buying the product and they've got different sales goals. So you have to keep in mind, you know, for that percentage, if it's going to be closer to seven because the lower price product closer to, okay, now we're, how many people do you need on your wait list to hit your $5,000 in sales? Right. And so then you need, you know, you need to take the thousand people and say, okay, so if it's you know that percent, I need like 10,000 people on my wait list at least to get to my $5,000 in sales. Um, and so then you keep the wait list going until you can get to that 10,000 number, because otherwise you're going to be disappointed if you wanted to hit your 5,000 in sales. So that's usually the, what I tell people, how long should I run a wait list? 
we have to talk about your goals. Like, what what are your launch goals? What do you want to get out of it? Like, how how do you want how do you want to do this? Um, and so then, you know, we talked about influencers. We talked about setting goals. We talked about engagement throughout the waitlist. Um, the last thing, um, one of the one of the last things I would I would also say is um, is just thinking about the other things that you do around the marketing. And so, a waitlist is your opportunity to. Uh, you know, if you go on a, if you go on a podcast, you can use the link for your product on the podcast because you've got the page all up for the waitlist already. So you can start doing some of those marketing activities early. And, and one thing that works really well, for example, is setting up retargeting, right? Because even if somebody doesn't sign up for the waitlist, and even if you're not running ads just yet, we have a lot of people who tell us, you know, what the, one of the best part was like, yeah, we got our, you know, $5,000 in sale from the first month, but we got an extra $2,000 in sales from people that didn't even sign up for the wait list, but the retargeting ads we set up for them because we knew they were, you know, they were clicking occasionally on our wait list page and they have the Google tracking script and the Facebook tracking yeah. script. It enabled them to turn on their retargeting ads on day one because they knew that they'd had these people interested in the product. And then the retargeting ads bring you dividend on day one, instead of having to wait a month for the retarding ads to kick in of people coming and looking at your product. Well, I love the idea of wait lists. And there's been a few times somebody's released some like new SEO marketing tool or something like that. And I, I come across it and they have like a wait list. And I'm like, man, if they can make this work, I would be a huge fan. I would love this thing. How do I sign up for like a wait list? And I've done that before. And mm-hmm. but to your point earlier, it's in like, how do they how do they remind me that they exist and then, you know, keep, keep that, uh, those touch points so that when they launch later that I actually know and buy or, or reach out to me and say, Hey, how, how, you know, we value your opinion about what we're building. Can you give us exactly. you know, feedback, all those different things I think is all super viable. I think one of my questions for you though, is a lot of times, so you're building a MVP of some software or whatever. And, and my SaaS company, we, you know, we built the product over the summer, last summer, and launched it. Well, we don't necessarily have a wait list because we already like built the product. But is there some weird sort of psychology around like, do you always have a wait list versus even though you launched the product and it's like early alpha and now you don't really consider it a wait list anymore? I'm kind of curious, like, is there a, any thought around when, when to have a wait list or to stop having the wait list and, and those kind of weird scenarios? So I think about it, in terms of like, like I said, so it's not just like your development schedule. So you might have the doors open, um, but I still think like even when people have the the early access, there should still be a wait list until you've verified that the customers are successful with that early access to the thing. Um, and the other reason to do a wait list or to, to think about a wait list like that is like these larger companies, like they'll do buzz and a wait list around a specific feature. So like Robinhood didn't just do a waitlist around uh, around the initial launch of the investing platform. They did a waitlist last year, or, or like it was probably a year and a half ago. They did another waitlist around with the same techniques um, around like when they were launching um, they were launching their savings accounts, like the cash savings accounts. You couldn't just get in. Um, I did. I got in off the waitlist early on that, so they had it ready. Like it was a fully baked product, but they wanted to build the buzz around this big feature release for their yeah. product. And so it's like, what is something that's buzzworthy that you want to get news about that you want to bake into having a wait list versus like, oh, like, you know, they changed, you know, how trading works or they, you know, now offer like options trading. Like that's a less of a, you know, probably a less of a big deal for them to do. And they don't need to want to generate buzz around or need to generate buzz around something like that. But something that's like slightly different 
big feature release or a different customer segment worthwhile that it's like, hey, I want to do a bigger announcement for, um, thinking about those things in terms of like a wait list or buzz building um, opportunities. It, I feel like it gives companies more opportunities to get PR and marketing, right? They could have just like, oh, we launched it and you get some buzz about it, but now you get like extra buzz because we launched the wait list. Right, like it give it gives you kind of two opportunities to have more buzz instead of one. Right, is that the way you yeah, look at it? Yeah, that's definitely how our larger companies look at it. So they look at it as like there's multiple opportunities. There's like we hit the wait list, and then they know because they've got you know they might have like you know it, they're kind of cheating, right? So let's say a larger company already has you know five hundred thousand people on an email list. They create a wait list for a new product it's pretty easy for them to get a hundred thousand people to sign up for like a new, like a new, like interest in a new product when all they have to do like a feature with kickoff labs, we just have a one click add you to the wait list from existing customers. So like you just one click, they're on the wait list. You can ask them additional questions after they've signed up. Um, and they look at it from a very strategic perspective of like, you know what? Our buzz points are the launch of the wait list. When we hit 100,000 people, when we hit 200,000 people, those are all individual announcements they can make as part of their as part of their marketing and engagement opportunities to be like, you're now one of 300,000 people and you're, you know, number 100 because you joined really early, right? Or yeah. you've moved up the wait list. And those are different. There's both like broad marketing opportunities and then individual engagement opportunities within within the wait list um, within the wait list campaign style. There's um, there's definitely a, a special buzz of, you know, something that you're on the wait list and you really want it, but you can't have it. It like creates this weird, you know, psychology of, right? Like I can't get the Apple credit card cause I'm on the wait list, but some people got it or whatever, like all of that. I yep. think it always has some weird psychology. And then I like the, you, you know, if you refer extra people, you move up to the wait list, like all that kind of stuff, I think kind of gamifies all of it. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, gamification is a big part of what we do, obviously, but yeah, the psychology and the psychology of that, like, you know, the, it, it works, uh, it works in favor of these campaigns for most audiences. The, um, I guess the MLS in major league soccer here in Kansas city must announce their schedule this week or something. Cause I had multiple people messaging me about, do you have season tickets still? We want to go to the Messi game when, you know, Lionel Messi comes to Kansas city mm-hmm. and plays. It's like, they should have had a wait list to get those tickets or some like whole competition or whatever. It's such craziness to get um, tickets to those things. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's uh that's another um, use case we've seen people do is when they know they've got a limited release or a limited run product run or something yeah. or a limited release, like they want to give it to their best fans. And so it's an opportunity. I don't really call this a wait list, but it's sort of like a leaderboard campaign yeah. where it's like, do you want to be on the top 100 people? Because we only have a hundred a yeah. hundred of this thing. Um, and it works really well for those companies to build that buzz on like a leaderboard. Um, especially if it's something like sports or like sport fans or like in the FinTech space, cause people are naturally competitive. Um, leaderboards are a campaign type we support. You can do a leaderboard with kickoff labs. Um, but I always tell people who are like, I want to do a leaderboard. And the first question you should ask is like, how will my audience react to this kind of competition where you're pitting people against one another directly? Like a wait list it's my position on a wait list and I'm in charge of like, if I move up, they're not really in competition, but a leaderboard and you show people like the top 100 and get at this. Sometimes it becomes discouraging for some audiences where it's, yeah. it's the psychological effect goes the other way where it's like, I'm not, I'm never going to catch the top person on the wait on the leaderboard. But if you're like, if you have like, you're talking about like sport, sport fans or like gaming fans or FinTech, like those people are all highly competitive. Leaderboards work really well in that space to build buzz because like 
people aren't just motivated by catching the top. They're always motivated by the rabbit in front of them. Like I'm number, I'm number 200. But if I get, if I do this activity or refer one more person, I could be number 150. Like they're motivated, like that next level up where some audiences don't know. It doesn't always work that way. You know who needs that right now is Tesla for the Cybertruck. They need some kind of competitive leaderboard. <laughs> That's what they need. <laughs> I mean, it looked to me like they needed a, a Ford to tow it out of a tow it out of getting a Christmas tree. But <laughs> ouch, That's, that would be I, good. I I own a Tesla, so I I can I can I can make fun. I think the the Model Y I own is one of the best cars I've ever had. But uh, but the videos uh, of people dunking on the Cybertruck and the look of it, it just strikes me as like oh, it's a uh, it's a little extreme there. It's going to be interesting to see them rolling around the neighborhood for sure. Be very weird. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I, I want to see what it looks like in person. Like, there's all these videos. It's really hard to judge from a video what a car looks like and feels like, I, I think, uh, from just yeah, any, any sort of teaser. I've owned four Teslas myself over the last 10 years, so. So but, are you going to be rolling around in one? Are you, uh, no. are you on the, the, the wait list? Okay. Nope, I didn't do it. All of my <laughs> All of my children do not fit in it. I need a bigger car at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I, I love the like, I love the con. I, I think there's something American in me where I love the concept of like the big truck, but then I think practically is like, I don't have a boat, I don't have a trailer. Yeah, like, what am I gonna do? And I need the interior space because I've got three kids. And I'm like, I, yep, I can't, I can't fit them in the truck. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, I do want to remind everybody today that the sponsor is FullScale, which is actually my company. If you need to hire software developers, keep us in mind. We have over 300 employees in the Philippines that work for dozens of startups and scale-ups all over the United States, building all sorts of software. You can check us out at FullScale.io. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was re- really cool because I, you know, of course, had heard of your product uh your company, you know, 10 years ago, you know, plus when it, when it first came out. And I think at that time you guys were one of the, one of the first people to build these sort of landing pages, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there I was, remember there was landing page software, but there wasn't niche down like that. Yeah. So I remember the buzz about when it kind of first came out and learning about it. So very cool to, to have you on the show today and, and hear about your, your journey. Um, one of my, favorite things to ask people on the way out is if you have any, any tips about, uh, words of wisdom for other entrepreneurs out there, it could be about anything. <laughs> um, gosh, uh, so, so many things I could, I could choose from. Um, I like when, when I, I mean, I like one of the things my, my co-founder says, like, um, you know, you have to learn how to sell and market, that like, if you're good at that and you learn how to sell and market, like you could sell rocks, your six-year-old picked up in the yard online. Right. And it's like, Oh, these are just rocks. I'm like, no, no, these are magical rocks with unicorn paint on them that my six-year-old found. Like if you can figure out a way to sell, you could sell anything online. And so like people often think that they, I see it way too often in our space, even people that bother putting up a wait list. Some people don't bother to do the proper marketing because no software solution or marketing solution is like, oh, you give us two people and all of a sudden it'll be 3,000 people. Like even the case study and success people you heard, their viral rate was never more than one, which means that like they were always dumping additional resources in to push it up. They were just getting a boost for their effort. Like I said, turning $100 into 150 of marketing. 
there's no solution that turns $100 into $200,000 worth of marketing. Yeah. If, it did, if it was, we'd charge a lot more uh, than we do. Um, but And so that's why it's so important for people to think about like, okay, what is the distribution strategy? What is the marketing strategy? And to work on those things at the same time, because I really hate seeing people with like great ideas. Like you said, you see the thing you want to sign up for and I see them not getting signups. I'm like, oh, if only you just told people about it, you know? And, yeah. and it's just, it's frustrating to see like people that do that. And so just, you know, don't be shy about telling people and don't, don't think like, oh, well, it doesn't do what I'm telling them it's going to do just yet. Like, don't be shy about it. Just go out there and start spreading the word because all products change over time. We don't do today what we did on day one. And we didn't do two years after we launched what we did on day one. Like it's different. Our pitch was different. We refined it, but you can't be afraid to share your pitch and do that marketing and learn how to sell um, from day one of a new product. Love it. And I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are scared to do sales and marketing or it's not their forte and it's really mm -hmm. important. And I think your guys' solution can help a lot with that too, with, with the wait list and can let people also sort of build in public that way, right? It's like, we have a wait list. We, we use uh, the email list that comes out of it to message mm -hmm. them every week or two and all that kind of stuff. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, fantastic tip. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this was Josh Ledgard. Uh, with kickofflabs.com. Check them out. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today, Josh. Yeah, thank you, Matt. All right, take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.